Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for coming back. Uh, I am Steve, and this is Thinking Sideways, the podcast. And always, uh, as always, I've got my co-host with me. Uh, I'm Devin. Yeah, I'm Joe. And, and by the way, uh, you were, your language is kind of exclusionary because you're only welcoming back the people who have already listened to us. And welcome back to all of our previous listeners and better. welcome to all of our new listeners. Okay, Yay! That's better. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Appreciate you for clarifying that for me. Oh, totally. Uh, <laughs> well, tonight we are going to talk about a story that is a bit of a mystery. And just, is not unsolved. Really? It's just a little bit of a mystery. It's a smidge. Yeah, just a little bit. It's not yet unsolved. It's not? Shortly to be solved. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's still unsolved at this moment, but not until you get your hands on it. Absolutely. I got it. Okay. Now, well, Team Sideways is going to crack this one like a walnut. <laughs> Apparently, we do that every week. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. everyone. All right. Well, let's, let's get into this. So uh, just a little background how I got this. This particular story is I just finished reading recently the book, uh, the code book by Simon Singh. Yeah, I read that book. I liked it. Yeah. I didn't. You didn't? No. Are you going to? No. Why? Why would I? Why you guys are you? now obviously like really, really good at this stuff, right? Oh, so yeah, like, totally. Cryptography. Yeah, I need to work for the NSA. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get better at the other stuff that's happening. 
Yeah. Like, who needs, like, three code breakers on oh, the show? Oh, yeah, good point. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Just well, saying. Yeah. Obviously, we've we've given away that the code book is about code breaking. Oh. And it's also about the history was... of ciphers. And it is. It's, totally it's a really interesting book. Yeah. And it's by a guy named Simon Singh. Anybody who's interested in ciphers, go pick that book up. It's really awesome. And it's very readable. Yeah, very yeah. It's, it's, a very, it's a very good and easy read. But one of the stories that he tells in there is about the Beale cipher. And I read about it briefly before, but once I read his accounting of it, I really got interested in it, and I decided that we needed to take some time to really look into it. So let's just kind of start at the beginning, and let's start with how the story goes, because this story's been retold a number of times, but I'm going to do, we're going to do the best we can with the accounting of it. Mm. Are we going to, are we just going to do like a, this is how everything's kind of all the way, always told, or... Or what? Well, I mean, if we if we see things that have different accountings, I think that we'll have to bring those up. Okay. Mm, maybe. But a, a, a quick quick uh, abstract, I guess you would say. Okay. Uh, buried treasure, mysterious cipher. Everybody's puzzled for 200 years. Okay. There you go. All right. Let's get into the theories. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the story begins in 1820, January of 1820, when a gentleman by the name of Thomas J. Beale arrives in Lynchburg, Virginia, and checks into the Washington Hotel. He stays at the hotel that winter and then leaves in the spring, but while he's there, he becomes friends with the owner of the hotel, a man by the name of Robert Morris. Beale comes back Two years later, so this is 1822, and once again he spends the the winter at the hotel, but before he leaves in the spring this time, he gives Morris a locked iron box, which he says contains papers of value and importance. Morris, of course, being a good guy, sticks the box in a corner on a shelf and hangs on to it and doesn't think anything of it. Bunk. Mm. But... Morris, of course, immediately opened the box to find out what was in there. <laughs> well, according to the story that is out there, Beale never came back. Mm-hmm. And Morris, being a good guy, was going to wait. And according to their, and this is where the accountings get a little fuzzy. I've seen accountings that said Beale told Morris not to open it for 10 years. Yeah, he sent him a letter, actually. Yeah, is that how it went? Because I've seen accountings both ways. Yeah, I sent him a letter and said, uh, if you don't hear from me from 10 years past the date of this letter, then open the box. I love that his instructions, too. Open the box first, remove the lock. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Let's... Yeah, and, and so he eventually does open the box. Mm-hmm. But Morris waits 23 years to do it. Yeah. So it's 1845 before curiosity ever gets the better of him, and he finally pops the thing open. When he opens it, he finds several things in there. He finds a note written by Beale in English to him, and then he also finds three sheets that are just full of numbers. And the note evidently reveals a little bit about Beale himself and what's going on. And here's what it is. According to Beale, in 1817, he and 29 other men headed west to explore the country. And this is pretty much the Wild West. And they oh, went yeah. all over. I think you said, Joe, you had seen they had been in, uh, yeah, in were, Mexico? Yeah, they went to Santa Fe and then up north into Colorado. And that was Spanish America back in those days. That True. was back when the Spaniards ruled it. And then after that, just a little bit of history, um, 
It was along in the, like, about 1820, 1821 was the Mexican Revolution. The Mex mm -hmm. Mexicans overthrew the Spanish. Mm -hmm. So the Spanish previously had controlled that territory. And the, the, the Spain Spanish. Yeah, the Spain Spanish. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, when the Spanish were overthrown, the Spanish control and authority over that, that area went away. And the Mexican government uh, was, like, fairly incompetent, had its hands full at home. So that whole part of the U.S. was really kind of, like... Uh, Ignored? Uh, pretty much not under any sort of government at all. Okay. It was... It truly was the Wild West. And it was, was no man. It was there. every man for himself. Do whatever you want while you're well, here. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Well, according to this, this letter... 1817, which is just a little prior to that, mm -hmm. uh, these guys had gone out and were looking to make their fortune. And according to the note, Beale says, the party encamped at a small ravine were preparing their evening meal when one of the men discovered in a cleft of the rocks something that had the appearance of gold. Upon showing to the others, it was pronounced to be gold, and much excitement was the natural consequence. I like the understatement. I, li <laughs> I like the way they wrote back in those days. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a little flowery, but I like it. It yeah. was the natural consequence of things. Naturally. Mm, yeah. The note goes on to explain that Beale and his men had mined that site for 18 months, at which point they'd obviously accumulated a large quantity of gold, and silver, which they seem to have found nearby. And they agreed that they needed to move all of this gold somewhere safe. And they decided to take it back home to Virginia, where they were going to hide it in a secret location. Mm, yeah, that sounds and, safe. Yeah, and, and in, in this trip back to Virginia, Beale says that he traded some of the gold and silver for jewels... Which I can understand because they would be lighter. So wait, yeah. okay, Beale went by himself. According to his letter, he doesn't mention anybody so else. So according to his letter, yeah. his friends were like, hey, you're the most trustworthy of the dudes. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, we're uh, going to give you what's what equivalent to like $20 million today yeah, exactly. in gold. And just like send you on your merry way. Well, right? It, that's what that letter says, right? It does. And the okay. thing that's the thing that's absurd about it is like if they're really worried about the safety of their gold and you send one guy off with basically 20 cuz I cal I calculated the weight of, of of this his first trip and at 250 pounds per horse it's about 20 horses. So a 20, uh, a 20 horse pack train, a single guy, and you guys are just thinking, oh, I feel so much better than Mr. Beale who's got all of our gold on 20 horses. He's riding alone <laughs> through this territory rather than us having to worry Spanish about somebody's Spanish and Indian territory. Exactly. Right? To Apache like territory. For, oh, yeah. well, and they were going from where? Probably New Mexico? -ish, from, I think right? Colorado. Colorado. They, they, from Colorado. To be where they, yeah, they to went Virginia. to Santa Fe to, and then up to Colorado. And then, um, and then he was going all the way to Virginia. And it because was obviously. Safe. Because, I mean, yeah, and, and if nothing else, I mean, accidents happen. So mm -hmm. even if the Indians don't get them, even if the, even if the Spanish don't get them, even if robbers don't get them, uh, you know, I mean, Landslides, he, could just, he, could just, die, he could just fall off his horse water. and hit his head or whatever, you know. And then, this uh, one dude. But I actually, um, I did hear another version of this story in which it wasn't just him. It was actually about almost half the group went back to Virginia with him the first mm. time. Uh, and so that, that makes may, more sense. That makes a lot more sense because that means if you got a bunch of guys and everybody has one pack horse that's he's pulling behind them, although where they got the horses, I don't know. They might have traded with the Indians. Yeah, I it's guess, hard to say. Yeah, I feel like with that much gold, you can buy kind of anything. I don't know if the Indians were all that interested in gold, though. 
I maybe the gems. Oh wait, he he would have traded that in root so that he wouldn't have had these precious gems at the yeah. start. Maybe so, the Spanish were though. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Just Conquistadors saying. loved they them some yeah. gold. Yeah. Gold. They did. They Not to stereotype. No, but they no. loved them some that gold. That is so viciously racist. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anybody who don't love gold, really. But. Uh, okay, well, and let's get back to this. Uh, the, what the letter said. Yeah. The letter says that uh, at the end of the winter, when he had left Morris the first time, so he had left the Washington Hotel in Virginia. He had gone back, and the men, of course, while he was gone we're during busy, this time... We're busy mining gold and hiding it from him this we're, time around. We're busy continuing to mine the gold. Now, mind you, is it, he got there in the winter, and he left in the spring, which has got to be two to three months. So this guy's had to have been gone six months, yeah. and all his buddies are just still just merrily still, working away. I, I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, like... like Digging in in winter in Colorado, I don't know. They might have been uh, they might have just, just been hanging out, up. <laughs> yeah. hold up somewhere. They might have been just warm. like spending all their time like hunting for food and stuff like that, Did, trying yeah. to stay warm. Yeah, I don't know. Beale leaves Virginia in what I would guess would be the spring of 1821 and heads back to his guys. He's been gone a while. They're, of course, still mining everything, and they, in his uh, absence, have say, well. We've got all this new gold that we've mined, and you've oh, been boy, back for a gold. while. Oh. Uh, we should probably secure this as well. So they send him back on another trip. Makes sense. To put yeah. it in whatever little hidey hole he's got it stashed away in. Mm-hmm. And while he's at it, they tell him to find a reliable person who they could confide in their secrets so that if something happened to them, their relatives could be alerted of this cache of gold and silver and jewels and come and take their share of the money. So this is the reason that Beale supposedly left Morris with this iron lockbox with a note in it. Yeah. Although, and, and, um, and so that was a second trip back. And again, mm-hmm. in, in another, another telling of the story that I heard, Beale and all of the guys came back on that second trip. So that is just one more version of the story. Which makes it even weirder that they would have left the lockbox with him. Well, yeah, and it doesn't seem really necessary at that point. Yeah, that seems cart before the horse. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Uh, Sending him back all all by his little lonesome doesn't make any sense either. No. I calculated, Uh, by the way. Already there's some weirdness going on. I I calculated the weights, uh, um, uh, the weight of his second journey, and he would have only required about 14 pack horses for that one. Oh, only. Yeah, only 14. Only 14 pack horses. Well, thank goodness for that. Yeah. Uh, well, like like we said, Morris gets the box and he opens it and he decides, I've got to figure out what this cipher says because he is morally obligated, according to the story, mm. to find these relatives and get the money to them to get their share. Mm-hmm. So quick like pulls out his Apple computer and starts and like does a little, writes a yeah, little program. A little CSS that do a little or C++. Yeah, do a little yeah. word counting. Oh, wait. Little, There's a problem, Joe. Yeah. They didn't have computers then. Oh. Oh. They yeah, they, he was using an abacus. Yeah. Oh. No. They didn't have computers then? No. Really? They haven't well, always had computers. How did they get on the internet? <laughs> how did they take selfies? They didn't. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. Uh, okay. Uh, well, in 1862, so this is 17 years after Morris has opened the box, because he opened it in 1845. He's 84 years old, and again, this is according to the accounting. Mm-hmm. He realizes that he doesn't have much longer to live, and he needs to tell somebody. 
So he shares this story with an unknown confidant. This person, we never know who this person is, but we do know two things about that person. First, they turn around and they publish the letters from Beale along with the cipher in a pamphlet and begin to circulate that pamphlet around. Mm -hmm. And the pamphleter also evidently deciphers one of the codes. And his, and his, his deciphered text appeared in that first pamphlet. It appeared correct? in the pamphlet. Yeah. According to this pamphlet, this guy, or I guess it could have been a woman, this person <laughs> decoded... Thank you for pointing at me while saying that. Well, it would have been worse if I pointed at Joe. Yeah. Well, I guess it could have been a woman. Yes. So that's uh, exciting. Thank you for conceding that point. Yes. The... Well, if, you pointed, if you didn't point at me, I would have said, oh, woman, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> the pamphleter decodes the second page of the cipher. And supposedly figured out what it was, they say that it was, this, this person determines that it's a book cipher. And mm -hmm. this second cipher has 800 numbers on it. Wait, we talked about book ciphers with Tom and True, didn't we? Yeah, we were talking about like things like one-time pads. Oh. And, and there's other things like book ciphers, not the same as this particular book cipher. But say if I take a book like, like uh, to, have and, to Have Not by Ernest Hemingway, mm -hmm. starting from the first page... You know, that's one way of doing it is you go from the first... You, the you first start character. counting the letters. Yeah, well... Or the words, I should say. Yeah, well, there's, there's various ways. You can just go letter by letter. So translate yours by adding letters to letters, you know, you know and not, not skipping words or anything. Mm -hmm. and that's one way to do it, and that generates, a, that generates a number. Or you can do, like, this one is where you have a number which is the number of the word in the entire sequence of the document, and you take the first letter, mm -hmm. which really seems to me like... a really cumbersome encryption yes, set technique. Yes, it, it is very cumbersome, yeah. but evidently this guy says that he deciphered it using the Declaration of Independence. And the second oh. one, not the first or the third. Correct. Yeah. That's an he, odd... He, he figures out the middle one of the bunch, <sighs> which is weird. That is a little weird. <sighs> and we're going we're gonna to share with you what this supposedly decoded text says. Uh, and, Joe, do you mind reading that for us? Not at all. I have deposited in the county of Bedford, about four miles from Buford's. Now, Buford's, by the way, was a tavern. In an excavation or vault, six feet below the surface of the ground, the following articles belonging jointly to the parties whose names are given in number three herewith. The first deposit consisted of 10,014 pounds of gold, and 3,812 pounds of silver, deposited November 1819. The second was made December 1821 and consisted of 1,907 pounds of gold and 1,288 of silver, also jewels obtained in St. Louis in exchange for silver to save transportation and valued at $13,000. The above is securely packed in iron pots with iron covers. The vault is roughly lined with stone and the vessels rest on solid stone and are covered with others. Paper number one describes the exact locality of the vault so that no difficulty will be had in finding it. Uh, huh. you, uh, you, have a, you have a qualm? I, yeah, okay, I understand people wrote, like, more eloquently and more thoroughly in those times, sure. Yeah. But if you're writing a cipher, especially one that's this complex, why go. do you say something like, in an excavation or vault? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, know. I just had like that it's specifically. Little, it's, it's odd because uh, stands I'll, I'll out admit. to me. Yeah, because you're thinking like uh, uh, 
you're thinking like, wow, this is going to add another 15 minutes to the encryption yeah, process. Yeah, or even like, why include this, right? I mean, I Simplifying think, it is what you're getting right, at. Right, you just say like, hey, for the people who have the key for this, this is where it is, mm-hmm. right? Why write three full different manuscripts in the super complicated cipher? I'm sorry, in three different super complicated ciphers, or right? Or the same cipher with three keys. Sure, and have it say flowery, like really, really crazy stuff. Well, but you've got to remember today's language is much more abbreviated and to the point, and that to him may have been shortened. In an excavation or vault, I feel like... I'm not not defending it. I'm just saying it could have been to him. That was the shortened version. Yeah, but it's like, maybe maybe it was, but I I think that he could have pared this down to about a quarter of its length. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. He could have just said, hey, uh, about four months of Buford's, there's just a ton of gold and silver and some jewels. And that's that's all people need to hear about. Maybe six feet under in a stone vault. Well, but to to defend Beal a little bit, though, he does need to describe how much is there so that everybody has an accounting. So if I show up... And I'm taking some, and I've already I come back for some more. And person number two arrives, says, "Hey, I'm here for my share." Oh, yeah. So this is what was here. I just got here as well. Mm. You have to be able yeah. to kind of hold everybody to some kind of honor system, wouldn't you? I guess, Maybe. but I, I and I think that you know you just like leave that in the vault, <laughs> right? Like, oh, then somebody, somebody taking, you can alter the accounting too. Sure. And that's fine. Or but just I just, remove the account. I just yeah. think that like, it's such a crazy, weird circumstance as it, I, you know, I understand your point. I completely do. I yeah. just, here ugh. is how much money in today's value was in this vault. Supposedly. Okay. Gold, silver, and gems According to the research that people have done based on this, they say it's $30 million worth. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, and it might even be more. Because... Oh, yeah. It depends on when this account, when they, they made uh, this calculation. Because if gold and silver fluctuate, and gold's really valuable Gold's been right going now. way the hell up for a couple and of years. And also now. what gems, right? Yeah, it depends on what gems they because are. Because you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like some Is it kind diamonds of precious or gems. or just, you know, basic yeah. rubies. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah, That's a lot that. of money. Here's the thing, though, is there's two other ciphers, which one supposedly gives... Cipher number three is supposed to tell the names of the other men and or their families. The next of kin. The next of kin. That seems like one that you would maybe not code. And yeah, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily, because yeah. then it's, you know, you can blackmail people. But then number one is supposed to give the exact location of the treasure. But Isn't no, that traditional to, like, use a map? Uh, yeah, like an X? <laughs> you would think, yeah. but nobody's been able to figure out what the cipher says. Not even the NSA? Not even the NSA, according to the NSA. Uh, All we know is that it's that four miles uh, around Buford's, and people have continued to go out there and dig based on where they think the treasure is going to be. And by the way, people who own property in that four mile radius They're area. They're probably not real thrilled about they it. They hate this mystery. <laughs> because they, they randomly do. find people trespassing and digging up stuff on their property. But you know, that's, well, I can think of two cool angles to this. Number one is like, uh, if you really hate somebody. You know, you could set up a fake web page, you know, claiming to have solved a mystery, 
and give them the, give the directions no. to your enemy. Says, no. or here's another thing. Supposing, supposing you own some land out there and you want to say put in a swimming pool. <laughs> you see where I'm going here? Yes, totally. <laughs> big sign in Looney yeah. Tunes style. Treasure here. Just dig with a big painted X on the ground. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, can, I can see some useful permutations to the whole thing. Oh, gosh. Well, mm-hmm. nobody has figured it out. People have been trying to use the Declaration of Independence to crack the other two ciphers, which mm-hmm. isn't working. Do we a little bit want to talk about the problems with the deciphering of the second one with yeah. the Declaration of Independence? Well, yeah, there let's do that. that right now, and, and we'll start in on the theories, and that's part of it. And, and the first theory, which there's a whole ream of things in this theory, but mm. the first theory is that this whole thing is a hoax. Well, well duh. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you got, Devin? Well, so in some of the research that we were doing, um, you know, it it says... Well, if you just use the Declaration of Independence as a book cipher, right, mm-hmm. then you get this message exactly. But but you it, actually don't. It turns out that that's actually not the case. When you actually use the Declaration of Independence to s- decipher this cipher, it actually reads, I had deposited in the Kunikp of Berhurt a boot for... Miles from Bullhuns. That guy had quite a thick accent, didn't he? In the or Isalt, six fists below the surflux of the crown. It continues on. Yeah. Right? But so it's... So the guy was using a wrong version of the Declaration I of Independence. I think that kind of sounds, yeah. you know, like, and obviously I haven't done the legwork on this. I can't tell you personally from personal experience which one's correct. But I can see how somebody would look at that text and say, oh, it, that person's trying to say that. And and here's what I think we need to, to explain for everybody. You're using the official copy of the Declaration of, of Independence. Independence. Yeah. Uh, this in the pamphlet... They discover that the version of the Declaration is not that the same. They were using, yeah, it's an abbreviated version that mm-hmm. supposedly was being used in publications for newspapers and stuff like that. But not like widely distributed. No, it wasn't right? a hugely yeah. distributed mm-hmm. version of it. Yeah, but that's what it, they're, they're say, he is saying, oh, well, this is the one I used. And he prints his copy. I yeah. understand in this pamphlet. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of curious about it. Seems, it does, does seem like the abbreviated version would be more convenient for in terms of typesetting to print in your pamphlet. Oh well, uh, yeah, uh, it but, would but be. But that, that, that sort of puts a little cloud of suspicion over the whole. It's enterprise, a little you know? weird. Yeah, it sounds like he was writing the pamphlet and he and he just got that and, and reverse engineered the cipher and printed the whole thing. And that's what a lot of people say. And here's here's some other facts. So let me just we're we're just gonna run through some facts as to why. But uh, what is supporting that maybe this whole thing is a hoax? And I'm just going to start at the top in no particular order. Historically, there is no evidence that Thomas Beale ever existed. In other words, census data. Uh-huh. Or that he hired 29 men who then went off on this expedition. To defend, there's no record of Thomas Beale, though. The census at that time did not take the name of every person. Yeah, it's pretty awful. They mm-hmm. took the name of the head of the household. Mm-hmm. So he could have been living at somebody's house, and they took the head of the household's name and then not his. So, or he could have missed the census. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's he not... Was, he was out west or something yeah, like that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's not like it was all-encompassing by any means. Very, very true. Uh, let's see. So there is evidence that Morris, the hotel owner, 
he was a real person. He existed. Mm -hmm. But there's no evidence that he was ever in possession of the lockbox or the ciphers. And there is record of him owning that hotel. But according to the records, he didn't get the hotel till about three years after when he was supposed to have first mm. or own the hotel until three years after he's supposedly first met Beale. Okay, so what uh, kind of evidence were they hoping to find that he owned this lockbox? Like, oh, that, yeah. like well, a trying, diary? They're trying to substantiate who is who. But, I mean, like, I yeah, I guess, like, what... What evidence are they are they hoping that like he was like oh dear diary today uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Beale gave me a box and then I held it for twenty three years I mean you know was that the kind of evidence they were looking for or were they hoping I think they were that, just like... trying to substantiate that he was a real person okay. and not just a fictional character yeah. which Beale at this point kind, kind of, of might seems be like, might seems be. like sure. he might be the um um. And the thing about Morris is if he was a real existent person, supposedly he must have had descendants. Mm-hmm. And he must have told his children and grandchildren about this this mystery. You would, and you think. would think. You would think that there would still be people alive today that would know about this. Nobody's come forward. Yeah. And, and But again, according to the, the story, he never told anybody. But he also worked on it for that that. The whole time that he had and then he it, confided in this years. one guy. But yeah, never, his wife didn't know, his kids didn't know. That's, Did he that's work on it? Weird. I guess I didn't according get that the, from the story. According to the story, he tried to figure it out for that 17 years after he opened mm. it before he confided in his friend who then cracked the second paper. Okay, okay. Here's another problem. The pamphlet itself quotes the letters from Beale, which supposedly were written in the early 1820s. Uh, 1820 forward, mm -hmm. and they use words that were not normally in circulation till about the 1840s, specifically the words stampede and improvise. Those were not commonly used words. Nobody had, there's not a lot of record of those being in the vocabulary at that time. The letters, the pamphlets use those words? No, the, the pamphlet reprinted the letters from Beale that were in the lockbox that were in English. Well, And in okay. his letter, he uses words that weren't known until the 1840s. So that, that points people to say, well, these were common words at the time, and the guy made it all up, and he, he wrote these letters. I guess my argument back on that would be that, like, if Beale did exist, right, mm -hmm. he clearly had a flourish for the English language. Mm -hmm. mm, as did a lot of people back in as those days. As did a lot of people back in those days. But he, for whatever reason, kind of strikes me as the kind of person who would have some kind of... Knowledge of those words. Yeah, or like to appear like he's much smarter than he actually is, so like seek out words that people didn't usually use and use them. You, Everybody knows that guy, right? <laughs> Who like That's uses words true, yeah. that nobody else uses. Mm -hmm. I He could have been one of those guys. He Who knows? Very, he could have easily been one of those guys. You're right. Yeah, entirely possible. And it's not like they were words that didn't exist. Okay, another another interesting aspect of this, uh, if the whole thing was a fiction, this, this entire pamphlet was just basically a hoax. The guy at one point, apparently, I have heard that his full name was Thomas Jefferson Beale. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Thomas Jefferson Beale. Mm -hmm. So Thomas Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence. Which would explain why the Declaration of Independence was the key. Yeah, and also there was a guy... Um, 
was a guy named Beal. I can't remember his first name. It was also the Washington Hotel. Yeah, the Washington. So there's yeah. there's another key. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, the guy named Beal was uh, a guy who I think in the 1830s was one of the first, if not the first, person to transport gold from California from the California Gold Rush back to the East Coast. Hmm. Yeah. And of course, that was like you know much earlier. And so, if you think about it, if you're if you're going to concoct a hoax, and you want to put some some things, some little teasers out there to sort of like you know like uh, grains of, of truth. Yeah, but also at the same time, kind of kind of mock and tweak the people that you're fooling. You know, because you're putting these obvious little things, kind of kind of like the Da Vinci Code. You're putting these obvious little clues right in their face. You know, Thomas Jefferson Declaration, Beale, this guy famous for transporting gold across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of those are kind of interesting coincidences. On the other hand, I guess this is going like a little bit past the this is a hoax thing, right? But haven't people actually, like people who actually know about things like this, examined these and said, no, they look like they are actually real ciphers. Mm, they have. So I guess my argument against it being a hoax is that like, why invest that much time mm. I don't think, you know, I think that something that looks like it's a cipher, I mean, you can compose something that looks like it's a cipher doesn't mean it's not gibberish. It can still be gibberish. I guess that's true. Here's the other weird thing about the ciphers. Mm. Uh, It's number one and number three, so page Mm -hmm. one and page three. Cryptographers have looked at it, and I, I, I don't say that I understand how they came to this conclusion, but they say that the statistical characteristics of it make them believe that it is not from a language that is English. In other words, it could have been written in Spanish or, I yeah. don't know, Cherokee no, or that's, something. No, that's fairly easy to do, mm-hmm. I think, as it turns out, right? That you can analyze the frequency of letters in any given language. Because mm-hmm. we have some that yes. are super mm-hmm. frequent. Or the, like, the, com- the composition of the length of a lot of our filler words. Mm-hmm. And analyze how often those are used in a cipher or something that yeah. could. Yeah, it's be that. just it, what's hard for me is that the stinking thing is all numbers. Well, yeah. yeah, but you say like this is so like so three is a mm-hmm. right. So like how many times is three used? Well, that you yeah. know, and well, it's fairly are... quick to do on a computer. I think yeah, it's no, just I've... say hey. Could no, any I've, of these be A? I have, I've done frequency analysis myself mm-hmm. with, with a computer. But the thing about this, this particular cipher, and this is why I don't understand how they could possibly think. This is why that, I don't get That it. this was something besides English. I mean, it obviously it could have been, but how, how you could you know, conclude that it was any particular language because there's no spaces. So you have no, you have no clue as to the length of the words that are being used mm-hmm. in there. There's no spaces between the numbers. There's, you can't do frequency analysis because, one, uh, they're, they're referencing words all throughout the document. So uh, number 117, uh, number 3, number 52, those could all be A. So they're not, re- they're they're not, not repeating they're, the same number. They're not okay, really wait. repeating numbers over and over so again. So here's, wait, but then there, that's my question. It's a string of numbers, but how yeah. do you know it's, it's 115, not uh, 115, right? How do you know it's like 115, not 115? Oh, well, there, there are commas, believe them. Or between dashes them, right? or yeah. something. Yeah, they, they, had separate, they had separations between them. They've got some form yeah. of separator between them. Otherwise, you're you're right. It would just be so. Then it's just a string of letters that of you break up into words. Yep. And as you as you decode them. the letters, got you it. figure out that it is you, it's T H E N. Well, is that then? But then you figure out the mm. next letter, and you realize that N is the start of a new word. Okay. So you know okay. to put a separator in there. Mm. All right. That's helpful. Yeah. It's, got it. it. It's it's difficult to to kind of wrap your brain around, mm. but mm-hmm. well, yeah, it's no, a little odd. It's uh, but it's it's. 
definitely a cipher, but not necessarily a cipher because it could just be gibberish. It, mm-hmm. it could. And yeah. here's here's the last thing that I have that that kind of points to maybe this whole thing is a hoax. Mm-hmm. Is that it's very similar to a story by Edgar Allan Poe called The Gold Bug, which is evidently about gold <laughs> and a cipher. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah. People say that this story is probably based on the gold bug. And there's also another story about a man in Kentucky that supposedly found a silver mine that was the richest silver mine ever and then turned around and buried all of the silver. Okay, wait. Dug it up, yeah. buried it, wait. and then disappeared. Why did it have to begin with? Huh? Uh, yes. We just did, we were just talking about the Toynbee Tiles, uh-huh. right? And in, in that episode, we talked a little bit about the, I think it was David Mamet mm-hmm. who wrote 4AM. And I feel like this is another kind of case of which came first, right? Chicken or the egg. Yeah. Like, did Poe write his story because he saw this manuscript? Or did this manuscript come to, like, be... Or the I guess it was the a pamphlet. pamphlet sorry. Yeah. Did the pamphlet come to be because of Poe? Poe. Somebody ripped off Poe. Like, who's and to Poe know was, that, though? Poe evidently was known for kind of tweaking the public sometimes. Yeah, with yeah. stories. Yeah. It, it's so just... it could very well have been Poe. Yeah, yeah. there was... I mean, obviously... It didn't get published until after he died, but uh, yeah, you know, but, and, that, uh, and that's why it leads people to say, well, it probably wasn't Poe, but it could have been. Yeah, but it so, and that's been, again, right? That's how we don't know because you know it was it was much later mm-hmm. after he died. So yeah, who knows? Yeah, I guess. Let's move from it's a hoax to the next theory. It's not a hoax. It's been found. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> I found. One website mm. that purports that this group of guys has found the location of the treasure. I can't with this guy. Yeah. Okay. And they found it and, and they've dug it up or they just know exactly where they've it is? They've dug part of it up. They and, d- uh, well, here's how it uh. goes. They say they decoded page one and page three. Mm-hmm. And I have a major problem with that because they show the decoded text... But nowhere do they say how they decoded it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they could have just made it up. Well, which, obviously they had to. Just it just it, it sets me off right there. It throws the radar. Mm-hmm. But according to these gentlemen, they found it uh, in the hills there in Virginia, and they dug it up. And they and it was a cave. Mm-hmm. It was an outcropping with a cave, and they dug in there. I'm sorry. Was it a cleft? Uh, I don't know if it's cleft exactly, but they went in there and they didn't find the treasure. But what they did find was remnants of supposedly the pots that Beale had left it in. So there were some legs, some iron pot. Remember the? It said it had the. They were in iron pots. Mm-hmm. They say that these were the short, stubby legs. It would have been on the pots. And there's an iron spike and a piece of leather and a buckle, which I'm presuming that would have been to tie it shut. There's so many things that are problems here. An iron buckle? Uh, well, the buckle was iron, and then it was a piece of leather there with it. Yes, but it's just... But, like, why... The legs don't break off of iron pots. Like, why would there be no legs? Unless why? somebody... Just... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm... Okay, I'm just going to hypothesize here. I'm just going to spitball on this, that somebody else had found the treasure before they got there. And they broke the pots, 
and then they threw away the evidence or they carried away most of the evidence and then the rest of it just sat there and rusted away. Oh, like broke open the pots? Broke open the pots. But, uh... I don't say that's right, but I'm just for a second going to stand in defense of these guys and say, well, this is why they've only found that. They've never found any gold. They never, they, never any they never found any jewels. So if somebody broke a pot open, right, in the middle of a cave where there's, like, dust and all that stuff, one piece of gold is going to, like, get left behind. A nugget is going to fall Stuff away. is going to get left yeah. other than just, like, weird Maybe. little yeah. legs or a buckle. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the, um, um, these guys essentially deciphered the text of number... Document number one. Uh-huh. They put it on their webpage. Uh-huh. And this, this, this text that they put on their webpage tells you where to go find this. Not exactly. Yeah. What does the text say? Well, uh, what's, what's listed on their website uh-huh. does give some information. Just... Uh... And, and here, here, I'll just read. Okay. According to this website, a, a guy named Daniel Cole is the one who cracked this. Somehow that name makes me irrationally angry for no reason. Okay. Well, All right. Here's, here's, it says, yeah. 19 is the distance south, left onto second point. Two's on first part of main rock, south in east wall, ground on south six feet deep. Open front side of point straight down, the point in front upper part, remove rocks, then with them remove dirt, five feet down and round, now open, open point, two's wall straight in, now open south side, now on down under point. Okay, I have such a problem with this. It <laughs> makes no sense no. to start with. Okay, but yeah, fine, whatever, that. even if it did make sense, it's not written the same. Well, exactly. I mean, it it's doesn't like, sound like the same. Author. No, I mean, no, I'm not, not at all, and it's not, not even close. No, I, 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 I agree. No, I it actually, it, you know I what it sounds like to me? It sounds like to me. I remember one time I bought a PC back when I did PCs, <laughs> and I got a card for the PC. It was like a sound card or whatever, and it had this little manual that came with it, and it had installations for for installing it, you know, and everything like that. And there was this one paragraph that was just hilariously bad because it was it looked like somebody poorly translated. Looked like somebody had put it in you know in like written it in Chinese and then transcribed it word for word from an English Chinese dictionary. Yeah. I mean, and that's what that reminds me of. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, it's it's not good. No, it's yeah. not a good thing. No, it's it's BS. But other, the other thing, I, I'm, what I'm wondering about is another theory that I just came up with. Yeah, exactly. And you, you just came up with a theory? Yeah. Leopard. Joe, you never do that. I know. What Le- are you doing? You're breaking tradition. Here. I know. I know what I know. do you got? What do you got? Uh, it's leprechauns. <laughs> okay. Well, think about it. Pot of gold. Pots of gold, number one. Number two, they find a leather belt and a buckle, a fragment of it. Okay? There's, there's some big old clues there. If there's a green felt hat in there, he's got it. Yeah. But here's the other thing. It's like, it would have disintegrated by now. Yeah. No, no it's, it's a leprechaun hat. They don't, they don't go away. They do, They're too. magic. Nope. Yeah. But, here's, magic. but here is the deal. It's like the leprechaun theory is almost, almost as credible because these guys were out in Colorado, and they find this cleft in a ravine that's got gold in it. Uh, so, number one, veins of gold are not immediately apparent. They don't look like anything. Uh-uh. There's usually not another vein of a cool little accompanying vein of silver somewhere really close by. But... Yeah, they're they're completely different minerals. Yeah. Yeah. They don't normally go uh, together. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, they go together nicely, but not necessarily in the ground. But, <laughs> uh, uh, and so, 
In other words, if it was a vein of gold, that kind of thing, it's, it's mixed in with a lot of other minerals. You've got to pull out tons of ore. You smelt it. And you have to smelt it, and you have to have a big factory thing. I mean, it's something that 30 guys out in the wilderness are not going to be able to probably do. Not easily. Which makes it that particular thing not what credible. If, so what if they found some leprechaun stash of gold? But, but what if they have 50 horses, too? Yeah. They just happen to have 50 horses along. Is that, I mean, does that make it easier? Well, if they're unicorns oh. with wings, okay. then they can easily get back to Virginia. Got it. Okay. All right, we're yeah. done with fantasy land. Uh, Let's yeah. move on to the next theory. All right. So you don't like you're not buying a leprechaun theory, huh? Well, I actually really like that. As in, I think it's hilarious, but yeah. no, I'm not buying it. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, the the final theory is that the treasure's still out there, and that it's real. Here's uh, a, a couple of things that point to it. So as we said, they used that abbreviated version of the Declaration of Independence to get the supposed deciphering of page two. Uh-huh. The drunken slurrings of a man, yes. Yes. Well, if you take the Declaration and you try and decipher pay, or decode paper one using the Declaration, what you get is a sequence of letters at the start, which are... A B F D E F G H I I J K L M M N O H P P. So this people say in frequency, the chances of those letters coming up on their own is zero, but that frequency has the appearance of quite possibly being a set of words. Mm. Mm. But people are saying that it's possible that while paper two just used a regular book cipher, paper one and three may have been encoded and then encoded again. Mm-hmm. So well, they were double. So it's it's a double or a super size. That's, that's so the way I, guess, I would do it if I had yeah. a big secret. And I guess that would make sense, right? Because those are the two pieces of information that are more sensitive, right? The mm-hmm. second one is just kind of like... This is kind of what we have. Yeah, but the location, cool. that's, that's pretty, yeah. That's but the location, important. super important. I, you know, again, I have issue with, like, the name of people who should be getting this. Like, I don't understand why they would need to be encoded in the first place, well, let alone and, trip or, you know, double encoded. Yeah, and also the, uh, the number three is, like, uh, has, as it's been pointed out, this thought is not original to me, but 30 guys, okay, their names, the names of the next to kin, where they live. And you're going to do all that in 800 characters or less? Well, and that's and that's the problem is that that document, yeah. people have said there is not enough characters in that document to list off all that information. Oh, hell no. Yeah. So there's a serious issue there. Mm-hmm. Right. But we're going we're gonna to continue to run down the path of it is totally true and it is still out there. And I, and I assume that people have used other... Other, Other documents from the founding of our country yeah. and around that time, yes, people have tried to use the Constitution and all those great historical documents. Mm-hmm. The Kama Sutra? I don't think they've used that one. Well, there you go. But Treasure otherwise, to no avail to, to crack this particular mm, set of okay. ciphers. There is, if we're going down the it's real path. Which we, of course, are. Which we, of course, are. So there's a chance that the person, our, our pamphleter, who put out the pamphlet that told us everything that we know about this, may have taken and scrambled the code that was listed in paper one and paper three. All right. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, changed ba- all the numbers. Yeah, he, he he mixed them up, and here's the reason: is that supposedly there was somebody else out there who had the key. Mm-hmm. 
So if that person gets a hold of the pamphlet and then tries to decode it themselves, it's not going to work. So then they're going to have to turn around and they're going to have to come to him, the person who possesses the actual ciphered text, so that then they can go in on it 50-50 and split it. So basically he's forcing somebody's hand to come to him and pay out. Yeah. It makes sense when you kind of step back from it a little bit. It's a little weird. So in this telling of the story that he never actually cracked the cipher at all. He just pretended to crack number two and scrambled numbers one and three. No, it, well, I mean, you can look at it both ways. Either he didn't actually do it and he pretended to crack it, mm-hmm. or he did crack number two, but he couldn't crack number one. But in an effort to draw that person out, mm-hmm. he screwed up the numbers intentionally in one and two so that they had to come to him and say, hey, wait, something's not right here because I've totally got the key. Oh, you've got the key? Awesome. I totally got the real cipher. Let's split it, buddy. It's interesting because that that seems really unlikely. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody that uh, these this group of, what, 30 men would have trusted with the key to the cipher, right, mm-hmm. would ostensibly not then go and say... Oh yeah, by the way, I have the key to this thing. Let's split it 50-50, right? That's that's ostensibly a fairly trustworthy person. But but, but we're th- also looking at how much time has passed. We're looking at nearly 40 years. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Hell yeah. a lot of them are dead. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, you've got to imagine most, if not all, have mm-hmm. passed by that point. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah, it's a Interesting little conundrum there. But and yeah, we have we have we have one more. Oh, we do. We have one more that says that it was real, but it's kind of a crackpot version. <gasps> those I are love, my favorite. Love those. Does it have to do with like um, like lizard people living in the center of the earth? No, I'm afraid it's oh, not about, lizard people. What about a mass conspiracy from our government? Uh, yeah, it actually <gasps> does. People say, because the NSA and other organizations in the government who are code breakers have used the Beale cipher as a training tool and had their, their candidates try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So it's been theorized that the NSA or some other government organization, not pointing at the NSA, but some government organization who has a lot of code-breaking people around, Mm -hmm. has figured out what this thing said, went and got it, and dumped all that gold into the national coffers. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense, because we have a lot of money. Yeah, and (laughs) there's been many times when this country's been desperately in need of money. Uh, For uh, for our government, $30 million is like a nickel to you and I. Yeah. Yeah, well, but hey, you know what? A little bit here is a little bit there, and so this theory says that they've gone and already gotten it. Mm -hmm. And that's why these other guys who found just the pieces of iron, well, we found the pieces of iron. Because okay. the feds have come in and Listen, taken it. The feds yeah. are way better at extraction than that. Let's be totally honest here. Yeah, they, they, they Okay, they're easily, not leaving anything behind. They can easily extract you know, money directly out of our bank accounts and our wallets. They don't need to bother with gold. But another, but the, but another but apparently theory... you were looking at it from today. What if this was... Hundred years ago, they did it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we had the the, the decryption. I mean, no, you know, we didn't. Intel didn't really. Okay, kick let's say off. it was the nineteen fifties. Yeah, let's say it was the fifties or the sixties. It's inc- entirely credible. What what I think would be more likely is that government employees who are very skilled at decryption 
could very well have cracked this, but why would you tell the feds about it? If you were, if you got access to the computers and everything else, you got access to these resources, you could crack it, and you and a few of your buddies from the office go down there and grab it. I mean, that would make a lot more sense. That's a possibility. I guess my big problem with them actually being able to solve this thing, right, is that isn't there like a cipher that's like right in front of what is the CIA, CIA yeah. where uh-huh. like yeah. yeah, and they've only deciphered one of the three panels there. Come on, man. If you can't figure that thing out, right? <laughs> like, how are you going to figure this thing out? This I is just... like, yeah. You know, this is a, and I don't know if this has occurred to anybody in our government or not, but think about this. I mean, like, you know, because so, you know that, that other governments are trying to read our, trying to read our mail all the time. So think about it. Isn't it wouldn't it be tempting to, to actually put out gibberish that's not even cipher, but it looks totally like a cipher and let them waste valuable man hours and, and energy trying to decipher those. I think you brought this up before. Yeah, seems I, likely. Yeah. What if the what if the second one is the only one that is a legitimate one, but it needs to be deciphered with something other than de- the Declaration of Independence, right? Some other manuscript. So are you mm. saying? Wait, let me just make sure I, I, I'm following. So are you saying that the Declaration was correct in an interpretation, but there's another document and it has that another ha- meaning that so somebody had to match up two books basically to and find words that were on the same number that had the same letters. That's extremely. No, difficult. I'm not yeah. saying that at all. I'm saying that like this guy came up with an okay interpretation. Of, oh, you're saying <laughs> off of the Declaration. Lucky of independence he got he got to something that like could be made into something that kind of made some coherent sense I got mm-hmm. it. but that perhaps he it's, used the wrong document it is entirely conceivable i can see what you're and saying that, yeah. that's the only one that's actually decipherable i got it, it might right? be that like say if you like grabbed a copy of, a, of any dickens novel say tale of two cities it might be that that is the key, you know? Yeah. And that it's I mean, just a coincidence that some letters randomly in, in the two of them happen to coincide. It turns out English, yeah. it's pretty easy to make words. Yeah. <laughs> we do it all the we time. We do it all the time. Yeah, so it might I actually mean, be a, you know, an entirely different key. I don't know that anybody's thought about that. I'm not. I'm definitely not the cipher ologist of this crew mm. so the i'm not saying cryptographer no cypherologist okay yeah mm. so just i'm making not sure i knew which title we were going yeah with. i'm not gonna say that like my theory is better than anyone else's of course but what if mm. what cool. if it was the idiot who figured it out this time yeah <laughs> good point yeah the savant yeah yeah i mean i and the other thing about it is is like people are looking for the key you know and it's like okay so you got this thing with all these numbers in it and uh, it, so it's got to be a document, and these numbers have to represent a word of which we will take the first letter out of that document. It could be an entirely different kind of cipher. Yeah, totally. And so good. I mean, so that's the whole thing. That's that's one reason I'm not going to really waste any time trying to break this particular one. It's interesting to try to come up with ideas as to what kind of a cipher it, it is. Would be. I mean, if I were constructing a cipher like that, I would have something something that'd be more diabolical, like say a three letter. Or a three-digit number would represent, uh, say, seven one five seven fifteen. It's not the seven hundred fifteenth word in there, but instead, what it is, it's like say the seventh line down, and then the first column in, 
and then five letters beyond that in the alphabet. You know, I would do something like that. You do this with your diary, don't you? I yeah. totally do. Dude, he God, does dude. This. this is how he sends emails. Haven't yeah, you gotten emails from no, him? He gives us a round file. Yeah, this is how he does it. Yeah, but you see, but you see, you see, kind of what I'm talking about. Oh, I, I see Those where Those numbers you're going. can represent something entirely different than what these people are oh, saying. You can, yeah, you can, you can determine yeah. how they get used, however you want. Yeah, and yeah. I see where you're heading with. I it. feel like this is just one for the ages. It kind of is because that's really that's our theories. That's yeah. it. We're out. I, I think that yeah. I think no. I think that it's uh, it's almost certainly a hoax. But, but you know, pamphlets back in those days actually made money. They were like just like selling a book, and you could yeah. write a pamphlet, publish it, but, however publish you it want, and no, make all no kinds fact of money. Checking. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and actually, there's no fact checking going on today. Since either. I heard that they <laughs> yeah. didn't have the internet, it was pretty hard to check those facts, right? Yeah. You couldn't just like Google. No. Yeah. <laughs> But again, the uh, the fact that the fact that this guy used uh, a kind of non-existent version of the Declaration of Independence as a key, and somehow that managed to su- su- successfully translate all these numbers into a meaningful it's a message. Huge coincidence. Yeah. It's a uh, yeah. That's kind of damning in and of itself. I and agree. So, uh, Devin, what are, what do you think? What's your where, where do you lean on this? I don't know where I lean. You know, I really want to believe this is one of those stories that, like, in the heart of any like true American, right? You like really want to believe. That like these people could have gone out and found all this gold and struck it rich and like hid it and it's still hidden somewhere. But when I really sit down to think about it, would you do that? No, <laughs> You'd spend I definitely it. wouldn't. I'm yeah. lazy and I wouldn't have done that. And people back then were less lazy than I am, and that's fine. But like that's a really far way. Like why not just hide it someplace in Colorado? Yeah. Like there are a lot of really great hiding places in Colorado. Why take it all the way to Virginia to mm-hmm. hide it? And then write this like crazy cipher. I feel like hoax. <sighs> yeah, I hate, I, I hate hate advocating for hoaxes. But yeah, I because you want to be... believe it. It's a, it's a fun story. You yeah, know, it's, it's cool and everything. But uh, and I, I none I, of it I, makes sense. I got to tell you, this this may be a first. We have a unanimous decision here because I personally, after all of my research, mm-hmm. have been inclined that this is a hoax. And here's here's a bit of information that we haven't shared yet is this pamphlet that came out. This person had a huge quantity of these pamphlets printed, mm. but only a small number of them got out. And then supposedly there was a warehouse fire, a set of warehouse fires in a district, and the press house that they were all stored at also went up in flames. Mm-hmm. And I've so that's where, too. and oh my gosh, there's no more copies of it, which seems like if this guy was really real, he'd have just... Paid up and had some more made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just a little odd. Yeah, well, I, well, another theory I heard about about that is that uh, it got out. This was a local guy who wrote this. He probably wrote it to make some money or whatever. And he and then when it went out, people went nuts. And and because I mean the note number two has the allure of it. Yeah, the allure of it. But and, and but it but 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 basically this does define kind of an area, although it's a broad area, uh, a circle with a four-mile radius around Buford's Tavern in Virginia. Not that big so, of an area. Yeah, I mean, seriously. And so apparently one theory is that this guy knew a lot of the people locally, and, and when treasure hunters went out and started like digging up everybody's property and graveyards and everything else, this guy realized, holy crap, you know, what have I done? And so he Made just, a monster. Either, yeah, he, made, he created a monster, and so he destroyed these things or 
you know, probably you know, maybe they're in a fire or maybe he just threw them in the river or something like that. But, uh, you know, that's another theory about the whole thing, which I find believable. Those, it's a shame to waste. No, that's and that's a good point. But I, I unfortunately, I, I have to say that I don't, I don't believe this one. There's just too many inconsistencies for what. No, for me. no. I mean, the the underlying story is not credible about these guys going out finding gold. You don't just find gold lying around. You have to like set up a big operation oh, to yeah. find it. Yeah, like we've Sending, said, there's, there's a whole bunch of logistics here that just don't yeah. seem to pan out. Yeah, and then getting all stressed out about about oh my god, it's so insecure to have the gold just you know hidden around here, buried in the ground. Let's like, send somebody alone back east to bury it in the ground back east instead. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, it well, doesn't yeah. make sense all around. Yeah, no. no it's well, all... if, if you have uh, any information or theories that you want to, to proffer about this, you're more than welcome to do that. And if you're Thomas Jefferson Beale and you're actually a lizard person who's, you know, immortal, <laughs> <laughs> then please do contact us. You can, call, you can get a hold of us a couple of ways. You can go to our website, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. While you're on there, of course, you can always leave a comment. Of course, you can listen to the episode while you're on there as well. Mm-hmm. Most likely, a lot of folks have been using the website to listen, but a lot of folks also go ahead and go to down, uh, download it from iTunes. If you're on iTunes, take the time, leave us a comment and a rating. We've been getting a lot of traffic on iTunes lately. Yeah. That's been fantastic. And thank and lo- you. Yeah, yes, thank you very loving much. Loving to hear everything from everybody. I want to do a shout out to Arcade Gannon, fellow Fallout follower. What up, yo? No idea what that means, but yeah, okay. Seriously. He'll know. Yeah. Okay. Or her. I don't know. Okay. Well, at least they'll know. Uh, <laughs> you can always find uh, our episodes on Stitcher. So if you don't want to take the time, you're not able to download it and you don't want to go directly to the site, you can just get it there on any mobile device. Very easy to stream right then and there. And last but not least, you could go ahead and send us an old-fashioned email. <laughs> If you want to send us an email... I like that email is old-fashioned. Yeah, now. you can send us an even more old-fashioned, like, just snail mail. No, nope, we don't our have address a is Thinking Sideways General Delivery. <laughs> <laughs> no, the email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of listener mail, we've been a little tardy on getting some of these uh, listener mails that we've picked out that we've liked. And, and we flagged. like a lot of them, though. Yeah, it's been a little crazy these past It's been a little crazy. We've got a bunch of them. And well, there's been a number that we've wanted to read, and things have just kind of conspired against us. So I'm making an effort today. We're, we're just going to go ahead. Oh my and, gosh, uh, are we going to read all of them? Uh, well, we've got three of them that we're going to read. Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, all right, three? let's do it. Only three of them. So let's yeah, go ahead okay, and let me, let me grab the first one. The first email is from Matt, and Matt said, uh, I got a response from you on Reddit a while back and have spent the last few weeks uh, listening to your podcast. I'm a really big fan, and you guys have added an inquisitive nature to my walk to work. Listen, Reddit friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, thank you, Matt. And Matt, I, I don't want you to be so distracted that you get run over by a bus, so please yeah, be careful. Yeah, please. And we'll be, we'll be really careful to not do any of those like creepy like people walking to like work stories. Uh, yes, good point. And, and we will slip in about every five minutes or so a quick, like, Matt, look behind you. <laughs> Check both uh, ways. Yeah. I, I enjoy the devil's advocate elements of your podcast and how you can switch standpoints a, a few times during a podcast. And Matt then goes on to uh, to share a story that uh, that he was 
thought that we should look into mm-hmm. and we're going to exchange some emails because he's got some information on it. But uh, evidently he was writing uh, this email kind of late at night and so he couldn't write anymore, which is totally understandable. Mm. I mean, you know, it depends on what his, his schedule is. Did it sort of yeah, like fade totally. off into a bunch of Zs? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens to me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, that's 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 not actually what happened. Oh, Joe, okay. But mm. but thank you. So this next one is from a guy named Thomas. He says, "Hey, my name is Thomas, and about two weeks ago, I got into your show and binged on all the episodes. I love your show a lot." Your show is exactly what I was looking for in terms of a podcast that covers weird unsolved mysteries, and I like how you take a more logical approach to the mysteries instead of always drawing aliens or conspiracy theories. Hey, not that we don't believe in that stuff. (laughs) We just tend to not advocate for it so much. Yeah. Um, I am definitely looking forward to hearing more episodes in the future. By the way, Joe kind of sounds like John Goodman, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to point that out. Actually, I think he is. Thomas, you are. But as soon as you said it, I was like, he totally does. I sound I, like John Goodman? Totally. I had never yeah. made that connection. And then you listened to I it, sure and you were like, oh my gosh. I, well, now I'm going to have a famous person in my ears every time I edit a show. You're it's welcome. Great. It's going to be Thank perfect. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, by the way, Thomas, yeah. uh, I don't, I'm not as big as he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like John Goodman. He's a great guy. He's just, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm not. Don't want to be as big as yeah. He is. You do a little bit sound like him, though. Oh, okay, we'll go. Oh, we'll okay. like watch the Big Lebowski. Now I'm gonna be all yeah. I'm gonna be all self conscious about it. Yeah. Oh, but, by the way, I love the Big Lebowski. Yeah. So then Thomas like suggests a couple shows. That's that seems to be like the trend, right? Everybody oh yeah. Has like awesome feedback and also do these shows. Yes, and, so and we've we'll got a list of them, and we're working through them we as totally we are. as we mix them into the list. So yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Now our next. Uh, email is from Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. So here it goes. Hello. Greetings from Wyoming. I <gasps> drive for UPS and listen to podcasts all day. I bet you would in a job like that. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I yeah. can imagine you I couldn't totally listen would. to just the radio, and especially if it's a... He's kind of in a rural area. Wyoming is Sounds all right. rural. Oh, okay. kind of well, rural. Then they, yeah. You might not get radio stations constantly. Yeah, so, okay. Yes. Well, anyway, sorry for the interruption, Jeremy. I'm going to start from the top. <laughs> okay, greetings from Wyoming. I drive for UPS and let's listen to podcasts all day. Yours was coincidentally suggested to me the night before I started covering for a rural driver for two weeks. I really love the subjects you've covered so far in my attempt to catch up from the beginning. He's enjoyed his attempt, yeah. Yeah, okay. so he's, okay. he's yeah. listened to yeah. what's come out, and he's mm-hmm. working through the backlog, okay. which is great. Okay, so I would love it if you would delve into topics like the beep and the beep and the beep. <laughs> okay, we uh, actually have been considering some of those topics, and uh, yeah, we probably will delve into at least a few of them. Well, you know what's great? Yeah. One of those yeah. is the Beale Cipher. Mm-hmm. Which we which, just which we finished. just talked about Thanks, exactly, Jeremy. and <laughs> and another one the is one we're going to be talking about sometime in the next few weeks. Oh, anyway, so to continue <laughs> reading your email, Jeremy. Uh, either way, please keep up the great work because I drive a lot. All caps. <laughs> I bet you do. So, okay, we're going to do extra long episodes just for just Jeremy. Just for Jeremy. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Jeremy. Thank you. Well, that, God, I, I really, I like listener email, and I feel mm. bad sometimes for holding them all in a bunch and spreading them out. But I, I love like doing listener emails so much. I love reading listener email. I mean, and like reading comments and things like that, because people are, seem to be really great about giving us like 
awesome feedback, not just positive feedback, yeah. but like things yeah. that no, they would love not to all hear. Smoke up our dress, or no. you know, things Sometimes. that they think we should change, which I think is is we, really great. Yeah, no, we got we got useful constructive criticism. Yeah. yeah, and as I mean, you know, if you've been listening to us throughout the whole time, or you're trying to like go through our backlog, we're fairly new at this, right? Yeah, yeah. You'll, so you'll, like, you'll, you'll notice we definitely we appreciate along, so. the yeah. constructive <laughs> criticism. Yeah, yeah. We, we try to improve. We take yes. criticism like yeah, we do. Uh, yeah. Thanks again, everybody. We do appreciate it. And I guess, well, this is the point where I hate to tell it, but we're going to say bye-bye. Yeah. Mystery solved. So, so it's will. time to walk up into the sunset. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's walk off into the With sunset. With spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle. Can you, do you know any good tunes to whistle, Joe? I got Not spurs really. that jingle, jangle, jingle, yeah, jingle, jangle.